Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from the God who, in connection with his Son, Jesus, fixed what we broke. Amen. Dear fellow Christians, on the face of it, the title for this morning's sermon makes absolutely no logical sense. It's hard to envision a scenario where anyone would break something just to fix it, to break it on purpose, just so they could turn around and repair what they just broke. People, as a rule, don't make trouble for themselves, sort of, in this way, anyway. They don't purposely create problems and expenses for themselves just so they can fix the problem or pay for the expense. Even those of us who love to tinker, to repair, who find great satisfaction in taking something that's broken and using it or making it usable again, don't make work for ourselves. There's enough that breaks all on its own. So the question is, who in their right mind would break something just so that they could fix it? And the answer will probably surprise you. This is the topic, the general discussion that we're going to have this morning on the basis of our text, which is found in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, beginning with the first, the first chapter, beginning with the fourth verse. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This is God's word. God grant each of us a receptive heart to recognize the origin of these words and to learn and grow as he wants us to through their study. To this end we pray. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. As a way of, before we get into the sermon theme, or as a way, actually, we'll find to get there, we need to take a look first, recognize a simple statement in our text that supplies the clearest possible, possible answer to what is arguably the greatest question in our society. Now, before we do that, let me back up a little bit and ask you, what is the greatest question or problem, dilemma, in our society today? Now, there's probably a couple of different answers, but one thing's for sure, it's not COVID, it's not the economy, it's not inflation, 
It's not the border crisis. It's not all these other things we might think to put in that spot. What is it? It's when does human life begin? Did you catch the statement in our text? God gives us an answer, and his answer is that all life comes from God. And God alone ends or owns the right to end life. Now, we make this too narrow, and we make this too exclusive. We need to broaden this to help us understand this whole truth that God would have us understand here. All life comes from God. He owns it. God alone, then, has the right to end any life. And some will say, does that mean plants and animals, insects? Yes, all life comes from God. And God, then, has the right to give power over what is his to human beings. And we know from his word that he gave man power over non-human life, plants, animals, bugs, whatever. But we, we make a problem for ourselves. We limit ourselves if we limit life as coming from God only in connection with human beings. All life came from him. And then he said, here's why I'm putting this soulless life, plants and animals and so forth, on earth. And it's to serve you. You have dominion. Human beings have dominion over this. But we recognize in that God gave us this right to end this life. But he never, ever gave that right to human beings to end human life except to the governing authorities to end the lives of violent criminals or criminals. He never, ever gave that right to end innocent life in any way, shape, form. And he never gave that right to mothers. God himself addressed this in the words of our text. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Think about that. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, murdering an unborn, taking an unborn life, murdering a baby in the womb is bad enough. But we learn more here about the evil of this whole, this horrendous thing that we know generally as the abortion question. There's more to it than just the murder of an unborn child, isn't there? We learn here that before Jeremiah the prophet was even born, God knew him, and more than that, he consecrated him. In other words, God not only knew him before he was conceived, he had a plan for Jeremiah. And what we learn from this is every time someone decides to end a life in the womb, they are also denying God's plan for us and for that individual. They're saying no to all the things that God would do, could do, for all of us, including that individual, by ending that life. It's, it's a monstrous evil, any way you look at it. 
And obviously this isn't just intended for the people of Jeremiah's day because God caused it to be recorded in his word. Therefore, we know its application is unending. It applies to all of us. But here's the problem. You and I can universally agree of the profound evil in connection with abortion. That's sort of one of those easy things. Yep, that's bad. And then we can fall into that trap of feeling self-righteous, feeling good about ourselves because we're on the right side of this question. The question is, how do you fix it? What do you do about it? See, you can't fix this evil with legislation. That would be good because righteousness can exalt a nation or debase it. But this problem is only addressed as every other problem is truly addressed. That's individually. That's where we come in. God consecrated us, as he consecrated Jeremiah, to go and tell the people his message, his words. They don't get that through legislation. We can't legislate morality. How has that ever worked in history? There's no drugs around now, right? Because those are illegal. You get the point. And God gave us a plan. He gave us, as he said to Jeremiah, here are the very words you're supposed to speak. And if you know anything about Jeremiah, he had a tough go of it. God was sending him to a sinful, rebellious people. He knew, God knew, that the message they shared would be prof- that Jeremiah shared would be profoundly unpopular. But he said, go and tell them exactly what I tell you to do. Why is that? Because God knows this works. You have to break mankind down, that sinful side of us. It has to be broken down, crushed, beaten in its submission, so that something new can come forth. So beating society down with abortion is evil, you're sinning, you're murdering, might prevent some abortions, but it isn't going to change a single heart. That's exactly why God told us exactly what he tells Jeremiah. You tell them exactly what my will, my word is. And for us, that doesn't mean standing on the corner. It means one-on-one, wherever we have opportunity. And this leads us then finally into our sermon theme. We have to, in connection with that, break down the human being in order to fix it. That's that one thing that I could think of where you actually try to break something so that that thing can be fixed. And again, it's the only way that human beings can ever improve. Anything can ever get better. First, that evil side in us has to be broken. And that can only be accomplished through the law. So take another look at our text. God had plans for Jeremiah even before he was born. What were those plans? Again, if you know something about his life, I can't imagine that anyone would want to trade places with Jeremiah. He he suffered horribly, unimaginably so. He was kept in prison in the basement of a latrine, I don't know how to put that well, and forgotten there. Until finally, 
they're having some party and somebody remembered, hey, by the way, whatever happened to that prophet that we stuck in the outhouse? Oh yeah, he's still there. Jeremiah knew, because he had God's promise here, that God would take care of and deliver him. But that deliverance was just, you'll survive until I give you relief, according to my good time and pleasure. In our text, God went on into more detail about what he expected. Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. These are actually fascinating words. If you stop and think about them, if you weigh them, Though we live in a ridiculously critical society, it's nonetheless fashionable to advocate only positive thoughts and ideas, in other words. And yet, the only thing that we're allowed to criticize and to condemn is those who criticize and condemn. Christians, therefore, are always going to be easy targets. Because you and I have been called, just as Jeremiah was, to bring not just the feel-good, I'm fine, you're fine, all kinds of whatever you believe is true. We're called to bring the whole counsel of God's Word. Jesus obviously knew about this too, didn't he? You remember how when he said the things that the people liked, when he did what pleased them, like we heard in our New Testament reading, when he healed them, when he fed them, They loved him. When he said something that they agreed with, they adored him. And as soon as he brought the law, as soon as he said one thing with which they disagreed, they wanted to throw him off the nearest cliff. And yet he did it anyway. Why? Because he knows this is the only thing that works. You can't make something better by tweaking it always. It has to be destroyed, just like a building. You look at an old building and it's like, yeah, just tear it down and start over. Human beings had to be that way. Now think back to God's creation. You get sort of a sense. God didn't use what was already there to create man. He made from nothing. All this matter that was here didn't come from something. It came from nothing. So human beings can't just be fixed In other words, you're doing good. We just have to tweak a couple little things. That evil side in us has to be destroyed, which was the message God gave to Jeremiah. I'm sending you to destroy human beings, entire nations, entire kingdoms. I'm putting you over them because you're bringing my word to them. Again, remember, It's recorded in God's word, therefore it applies also to us. God could be saying to every one of us here, I'm sending you, I'm putting you over nations because your words are not what you're bringing. You're supposed to be bringing my words, and they apply. And those words will destroy if you use them. So God told Jeremiah, if you do they will. He tells us, if you do bring my word, it will have the effect that I intend. 
You get this, don't you? Personal experience teaches you that this is true. We don't need that, of course, to believe God's Word. But you know from your own personal experience the, the pull, the siren call of going along to get along, of saying the right things. Facebook made this all painfully obvious for us. You know instinctively what to say to get liked. And there's that draw because no one wants to be, naturally, I've never met anyone, who wants to be ridiculed or ostracized, made to feel stupid. So there's that constant draw of take parts from God's Word, the good parts, the fun parts, the vending machine God part, where you can just go to God and name it and claim it, and God has to give it to you, like he said. Well, he didn't say that, but... Or the people that say, well, you know what, I just got even, because the good book says, you always know when they say the good book says, it probably didn't. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. I'm just going by the good book. Yeah, and Jesus said, you've heard it said in the Old Testament, but I say to you, the world's almost always a reverse barometer. You also know something else about this. Not only that temptation to take out any of the hard things, the condemnation that comes from God, but you also know the need to destroy, to build. In, a, in different ways. We already mentioned the, the building. You, you got something on your property, it's an old shed, and it's going to cost you more to fix it. You might as well just tear it down or burn it and start over. But you know that too, like with your garden. Every year, it's pull up what's dead or almost dead or till under the old so that you can plant new. That's what God tells us is our calling as Christians. Catechism helps us here. The third petition, which we're just beginning the petitions in Sunday morning Bible class, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Luther's explanation, God's will is done when he breaks and stops every evil will and plan of those who do not want us to hallow his name or let his kingdom come, such as the will of the devil, the world, and of our own flesh. Point here again is our human nature isn't just off a bit. The way we naturally are born, we're broken. We're, we're sinful from the moment of our conception. We're natural enemies of God. And God gave us the one thing that can address that, that can destroy that, the law. And then all of this Helps us to understand the gospel too, doesn't it? Because the gospel, again, is not about just sort of fixing human beings a little bit. Be a little bit less about yourself and more about society. Just take that love chapter in, in 1 Corinthians 13 and just sort of try to apply that more. And as long as you're above average, you'll make it into heaven that way. It wasn't it at all, was it? What's the gospel all about? God the Father had to break his son to fix us. Break him. He dumped the sins of the whole world on Jesus 
And it wasn't just that lifetime of suffering. He had to die. He had to hang on that cross. He had to moan in agony, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God the Father forsook His Son to pay the debt that we owed. And and that's the Gospel. It's not about doing a little bit better and earning God's grace, His love, because that love is undeserved. It's about trusting in Jesus Christ that He earned forgiveness. He created this righteousness that He now credits to us. Having crushed us by that law, having left us destitute and helpless, no avenue of escape, nothing we can do on our own, God said, now you're ready. I send my son. My son paid your sin debt. You are forgiven. And then he sends that Holy Spirit into our hearts. And that's the build new. That's the second part of what Jeremiah was sent to do, what we're sent to do. But that only works when that first part is allowed when that first part is brought, the thing that the world condemns, the condemnation of God's Word. So our prayers, we understand how this process is supposed to work this morning, is pretty simple, isn't it? Send us, individually, in our own circles of life, send us with your words. First, that word of law, that condemnation that we need. So that people despair of self, of works, of earning, of anything good in themselves. So they're brought to the point of, what must I do? Because I've got nothing. What can I do? Exactly. You don't have to do anything. God already did it for you. And when that crushed sinner hears that message of forgiveness, hope, and life, That light fills that life, that soul. So pray God for the courage that he gave to Jeremiah to simply share that message of what you're doing is wrong and what you have done is wrong. You are a sinner. You have nothing to offer a holy God to pay for even one of your sins. But here's the good news. God already paid for it in Christ. Believing that Christ did only what he said he did. That he paid for your sins on the cross. Believing that full and complete forgiveness is yours. God grant us such courage, such resolve, such love. Amen.